We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to one of these interview episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike, and today with me, a special guest eh, from the West, not that far away. Um, so get us started. Do you mind introducing yourself and the game we're here to talk about? Sure. Uh, my name is Tylan. I'm the solo dev making the game Pirates of Gravity. Um, it launched on Steam Early Access on March 31st, which was just last week. Um, and it's a flight action roguelite game, um, which I could, I guess, most easily describe as Luftrausers meets Hades. Um, and things are going well so far. Um, and the plan is for the game to be in early access for a while. And, um, hopefully in about a year, uh, the final release would be upon us. Um, and to tell you a bit more about the game, what you do in the game is essentially you're flying a pirate ship, which also happens to be a rocket ship, and uh, you fight bad guys up in the air and you deal with various flight conditions like storms and winds and day and night conditions, and uh, your goal is to get to the end of the map. Uh, you fight one encounter at a time, and at the end of every encounter as you defeat them um, in roguelite fashion, uh, you, you you are rewarded a bonus um, and your choices along the way define what kind of um, build you're going for. And if you die anywhere in the game, it's not completely game over. You go back to the beginning. Uh, some of the stuff you collected along the way gets lost, but there's some persistence uh, as well. Like uh, your stat upgrades, your ability unlocks, they remain with you. So that way, even if you, you know, if you keep dying early on a lot, you're still making some progress and eventually the game should get easier that way. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack here. I, I think I want to start with kind of, as you said, this is this this continuing evolution genre of a roguelike, right? Which mm -hmm. um, I think I think fair to say, Kirk wrong, has really gone over a changing over the years and a redefinition of it. Um, one of the, mm -hmm. so to me, I think of the beginning of this genre and the way we think of it now, kind of like starting with Rogue Legacy and then like over time kind of, kind of evolving. I know you kind of referenced Hades, um, as like a good example mm -hmm. too, of like this tail end of this. When you think of these games, cause when I think of them, I think of them as like a game with a light level of progression, but a lot of times it's like a tighter lock of content and the ideas it takes, you kind of iterate over this content over and over and over again. What, mm -hmm. what, is there anything that you feel like I'm missing anything else to you kind of when you're, when you're thinking of games like this kind of like stand out to you kind of like 
when you're like, oh, this is a roguelike game, like, what does that mean to, like, you in probably more definitive terms? Right. Uh, to me, roguelite usually means um, that there is more than one path to success, and that early on, failure is a given. Uh, you're going to die a lot. Uh, but eventually, you know, you figure out things that work, things that don't work, and, you know, you try to find interesting combinations. Uh, you know, one of the, I think, best examples, one of my favorites is Slay the Spire. Um, I don't know if you play that one, but it's a, it's a card game with uh, roguelite progression. And you, you know, you, you go through this dungeon and every time, you know, there's a series of encounters and, you know, you die a lot. But over time, you understand what things synergize well with each other. Um, and, you know, part of the joy in playing games like that is finding exactly what combos work really well together. Uh, you know, trying to come up with game-breaking things. And, and sometimes your only chance of actually winning the game is coming out with one of those game-breaking things. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's there's definitely a sense of discovery there uh, that you might otherwise not have in a more, you know, straightforward, um, linear uh, gameplay. So what I'm obviously going to jump into then is, is so what is it? So, like, when you talk about games kind of, both like how they exist is one thing, but wanting to kind of make one of those systems, I'm kind of curious about. Because like in my head, I've always like this seems like really fun to make, but I've sat down and like tried to think about these systems, and they feel really hard to balance and get right. Was that to you kind mm-hmm. of the fun of thinking about kind of designing this game, or was there what is there something like was there like something like hey, I feel roguelikes just aren't getting this thing right? Or I'm kind of curious like what made you want to dig into this. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call balancing difficult. I mean, it, and to be perfectly honest with you, uh, the, in the current iteration, you know, the game has been out for less than a week, um, and I'm watching other people play, and I'm realizing that maybe <laughs> I made it a little bit too difficult, uh, which I'm going to address soon. But overall, I think the appeal of designing a roguelite from a developer perspective is it actually the game almost balances itself um, because. You know, if you think of a more traditional linear uh, progression, you know, you go from one mission to the next, and, you know, you, you might get stuck somewhere along the way. Um, whereas with roguelites, it, because it's kind of given that you're going to die somewhere along the way, you don't necessarily have to make every single battle super well balanced. Like, early ones could be too easy, and, you know, later on, it could get a little bit more difficult. Because it's a you know battle of attrition over a longer period of time, eventually you're gonna hit an encounter that feels like you know it's a life and death sort of situation. Um, and you know for some people that might be the third encounter, and for some people that might be the you know ninth encounter or whatever. Uh, but eventually you get there. So there's less of a pressure in getting every single encounter you know balanced to the nines. Um, yeah, actually it gives you more wiggle room there. I, that's interesting. I've never thought of it as, from a designer's point of view, as as inherently, but it makes sense, kind of, it, it's a type of game that lets you kind of almost have more more playroom of life. Because you know, it's always like that that thing when you make a system or an encounter, you're always like, is it too hard, too easy? Where like, a game like this, it's almost like, just always make it a hair too hard and hope, and you're kind of like, hoping over time a system kind of corrects itself, and obviously if you're really off, you'll correct it manually. Um... The other thing, obviously, is it's a pirate game. Uh, I feel like it's another genre that we've seen, like, a couple big games. 
but it's not this giant thing. Was there something just in pirates you thought intuitively like was just fun, or like why why make it a pirate? Not just a pirate, like a <laughs> flying pirate game. Like it's not like it's it's a very special specific thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, it actually came about in a funny way. Um, when I was when I first started making this game, it had nothing to do with pirates. Uh, it was more like a Moonlander sort of game, uh, and I was really making it just for my kids. Um, you know, they are six years old. Uh, they don't have a lot of exposure to games, so any kind of game is very novel to them. And you know, the idea of me making a game for them was really exciting for them. Um, and, you know, over time, of course, they're watching me do these things and they started coming up with ideas like, why don't you add this? Why don't you add that? And I started, you know, entertaining some of their ideas. And one of the earliest things that came up was, you know, can you make this a pirate ship? And I was like, whoa, (laughs) rocket ship and pirate ship. How would that, you know, uh, go along? And then I realized, you know, Treasure Planet is a movie that exists. (laughs) So took some cues from that in terms of how how it might work. Um, yeah, so over over time they kept coming up with new things, new ideas, and I was working on another thing at the time. My full time job was something different, and when I got laid off from that, I was thinking of you know should I go back to another studio job or do something as an indie dev? And I realized you know this thing that I have that I'm making for my kids actually could be quite interesting. Um, and again, at the time, I was playing a lot of Luftrausers, and I could see the parallels in between. So, yeah, I did. I decided to take a chance with that. Nice. And I, I want to say immediately, one of the things that stands out to me is I think you got, especially thinking of Luftrausers and kind of other games, like, I feel like you really got the style right with this game. Um, mm-hmm. Also, Treasure Island's totally a thing that exists that I totally forgot exists, I want to point out, because it's just not... That's such an interesting poll to kind of look at and realize kind of that it's a thing. Um, <laughs> was that just like something that you just really enjoyed? And you're like, I think there's a thing, something here I could use again. Or is this kind of like one of those you're just thinking of pirates and it just popped up in your head? Um, the, sorry, in terms of uh, mixing pirates with rocket ships or? Yeah, like obviously, like we said Treasure Island, but like, like otherwise, mm-hmm. like I don't, I can't really think of other massive right. amounts of media that does that even though it, it you right. know, on right. paper it makes a lot of sense from like what you think of pirates and like the fun of pirates and quote mm-hmm. um hmm. well the thing is I, I think one thing that really sets it apart uh aside from you know the uh wackiness of the theme <laughs> outright is is the way you play the game uh, in in most flight sims and the same with luft browsers you know, you only shoot from, you know, from the nose of your, uh, craft, uh, aircraft, uh, which is fine. You know, like there's some cool strafing maneuvers in the browsers, uh, but also it kind of limits your, your, uh, maneuver options. In most flight sims, the most interesting thing you can do is just try to get behind somebody else. Like it just ends there and, you know, lock onto them and you can shoot them down sort of thing. Uh, when you introduce pirate ships to that mix, and, you know, now you have to think about your broadsides. You know, you're not shooting straight ahead. You're shooting from the side of the ship, which opens up a lot of uh, possibilities in terms of positioning and tactics. And, you know, as, as a side interest, I have always kind of liked, you know, naval combat games. Um, you know, I grew up playing Sid Meier's Pirates a lot. Um, 
And, you know, those games are fine, but I guess one thing that was lacking for me in naval combat was also the the thrill of, you know, really high-paced, you know, f- uh, fast-paced combat, because, you know, ships are not, not every, you know, ship is a motorboat, <laughs> so they can only go so fast. So, yeah, in that sense, it was an interesting prospect of, you know, mixing the two. Like, what if you had the uh, strategic options, tactical options of a naval combat game, but it also played as fast as, you know, a dogfighting game? So that was that was definitely a draw. Talk about that, obviously, because I think this game, because you obviously, there's the demo out and I, I had a key for the game, and I think that's something that I think feels kind of right, and it feels like what I would think it should feel like. Do you mind kind of talking about the process of getting that, that flying and, like, the act of combat while flying to kind of feel how, like, like I don't know, it's this weird thing of, like, none of us have... Be like okay, ninety nine percent of us have never like driven a pirate ship, and none of us have driven a pirate ship in the air. <laughs> but we all have like a guttural sense of what it should feel like. Um, yeah, like yeah. like pirate ships is one of the things that I'm like, you just play a pirate game and you just know immediately. Oh, this feels like a pirate ship, even though it feels nothing like a pirate ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, what is so what is like how is that process of getting that right? Yeah, well, that, that, yeah, that took some time. <laughs> um, I mean, the first thing was. I guess finding the right combination, right balance between um, a flight sim and an arcade game. Um, you know, I, I love both. I grew up playing both sides of it, of the question. Um, on the arcade side, you know, you know, easy controls, you know, easy to grasp, and you know, tight controls. You know, the responsiveness of of the controls, you know, it's very important. And on the flight sim side, you know, customizability and, you know, as I said, like tactics, different maneuver options. Um, so I spent a lot of time trying to find the right balance, uh, and I hope I hit it. Um, and, you know, some people might feel more at home with this game than others. Um, but overall, my guiding principle was... Um, I, yeah, I, I just wanted to feel like a pirate movie of sorts. Like, I remember, you might have heard of this, um, Sid Meier, I think, was once asked how he came with uh, the Pirates game. And his answer was that, you know, they did their research, not in the historical, you know, Pirates section, his, history section of the library, but the kids' book section. Um, you know, sometimes what it should feel like is more important than what it is. And in that sense, I kind of tried to aim for... Mm, how can I explain this? It it's, almost feels like a sword fight in a pirate movie. Um, you know, it's a chaotic situation. You know, people are coming at you from all angles, and you have your you know trusted saber or you know cutlass or whatever, and you try to maintain control of the situation. And of course, unexpected things happen. But you know, overall, it's a, it's a thrill ride. You know, there are ups and downs, um, and I try to maintain that as much as possible. Uh, in terms of, you know, not just the controls, but also the camera angles, um, which was a bit of a risk factor because, you know, people are generally used to playing things from a fixed perspective, um, especially, you know, like Lufthrausers is, again, it's a 2D side view kind of game, whereas this is 2.5D, um, where the action takes place on a 2D plane, but the camera angles are dynamic. And the reason behind that was... Yeah, I really wanted to convey the sense of, you know, you're up there with that ship. You're swinging from a chandelier sort of feeling. And um, I hope I got the balance right. <laughs> so far, so far, I think people playing the game 
are pleasantly surprised uh, that it works. Um, of course, the flip side of that is, you know, the unpacking of the word surprise, because sometimes don't expect it to work as well. Um, and it's something that I occasionally have challenges with, um, you know, people looking at the game on Steam might not immediately, you know, understand how it would all work together or whether it would work to- well together. Um, again, one of the reasons I have a free demo um, on Steam is exactly that. It's always the... So I, I have always been someone who I think Steam's refund policy might be a bit too generous, uh, but demos are always that interesting kind of way to kind of counter that and stuff. And also, right. <laughs> um, and especially your game's a little more procedural, so like that matters a bit less. Like I was thinking of like, you see those indie games that are like, oh, we have an hour content, but there's a two-hour refund period on Steam, so it's always that weird balance. Um, what? So I'm kind of curious, as we're talking, is, as you said, the game like just got an early access last week, like Friday last week, I did math right, or Thursday. Um, yeah. So as you said, it sounds like at least the the response to the game has at least been good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming with any good game launch, it's been definitely stuff hit the fan. Uh, but at least it sounds like stuff's been good. So kind of, I'm kind of curious, is it kind of the response you were expecting? Um, or is there kind of like, you your internal just guesses were way different than like how audiences responded to the game? Um... It's a bit of both, I guess. Um, you know, I originally actually first launched on HIO uh, back in November. It was more like an alpha than much more limited content. Um, and, you know, throughout the development process, I was thinking, you know, Pirates and Rocket Ships, that's awesome. Like, how can anybody not think that that's awesome? Um, and But after that launch, I realized, well, wait a second, maybe people don't necessarily think that way. Um, it didn't quite have the, you know, f- splash that I was hoping for, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, in retrospect, you know, if Disney couldn't make Treasure Planet popular, <laughs> maybe I didn't stand, uh, too much, uh, much of a chance either. Um, so in that sense, yeah, the reaction has been, um, less exciting than I was hoping for. Um. But I mean, part part of that is also the fact that I'm a you know solo dev, so I can only you know make the game or promote the game, and um, I cannot be in two places at once. And I didn't really give myself enough time to you know go all out with promotion. So those things are all playing a role. Um, but I'm hoping the you know the process of early access itself, and the fact that it's now out there and people can try it. Uh, will help people better understand what the game is and what they can expect from it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it's always the fun struggle of being a solo dev, even like a small team dev. And you're like, okay, we have a week or two to launch. You're like, we need to some level promote the game, but we also need to finish the game. And always the joke is that either promotion gets secondary and you have trouble selling it, or um, finishing the game goes second and you have trouble actually releasing a product that's not broken. Um... But but it's, it's funny because you have now that weird thing of like a product that's at least stable and like I think it's not like there's probably some little balance that you want to fix and add to over time. But at least like you have a thing that if you went to go promote it now, like it won't like it's still there. Um, yeah. I'm curious, kind of as we're kind of talking about this now that you're in early access, and 
obviously you want more sales, you may be in for a while, you said, are you working on the product? Is there kind of big things that people can expect over the next couple of months kind of in the game, or are you still kind of like figuring out kind of your choices kind of post this initial launch? Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I have been gathering feedback and, you know, watching people play the game on, you know, YouTube and Twitch, which is really invaluable, uh, because, uh, you know, not everybody plays the game the way I play the game. So it's been really illuminating in that sense. Um, so there are a few things that I will be adding and tweaking, uh, like quality of life changes here and there, at least, uh, initially. And over time, um, yeah, the goal is definitely to add more content. Um, like right now there is only one act, um, in terms of storytelling and, uh, I'm planning to have three in the end. Um, so that means, you know, more enemy types, maybe more mission types, uh, different bonuses that you can collect and all those things. And of course, there are other things like, you know, adding, adding, sorry, achievements or control support or, you know, localizations and all that. Um, but, you know, those things also depend on, again, user feedback, um, and, you know, how much of a demand there is in terms of, uh, choosing what to prioritize first. But yeah, the, the initial plan is to start with just making sure the existing experience is really solid. Um, people are not getting stuck anywhere. There are no bugs. I haven't seen any bug reports so far, so that's great. Um, and then after that, the phase, the next phase is expanding on the content. I want to point out, though, getting a game out with no bug reports is pretty impressive because that's, like, never been true ever. Like, it's always one of those you're, like, always like, this game's perfectly fine. You launch it, and I just look at Discord and go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. There are some, you know, occasionally people say, oh, you know, it's a little bit stuttering here and there in terms of performance. But, you know, it's also kind of hard to know, especially with streamers. They have really complicated setups in terms of, you know, streaming their desktop with, you know, GPU and CPU use simultaneously with background removal and all that. So it's hard to know sometimes what is, you know, due to the setup and what's due to the game. But yeah, there are some performance things that I can definitely uh, work on. But yeah, so far I haven't ever seen anybody like completely crashing out of the game or unable to progress or anything like that. And I made sure that that wouldn't happen. But of course, you know, things could have slipped through the cracks, but yeah, no, thankfully, that doesn't seem to be the case here. I know, that is, that is impressive. And yeah, yeah, always that streaming, it's just anytime with bugs, especially because there's such a wide range of machines. Like, I work in a game, and one of the things we had is, like, we had someone using a curved monitor, and we kept being like, what are these UI bugs? And he goes, why use a curved monitor? I'm like, and you didn't think of telling us that one anywhere in this movie point? <laughs> like, you're the first player we've had with a curved monitor. Of co- And, like, most true games don't support a curved monitor. Why did you think of someone a curved monitor? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I came across was actually uh, somebody playing a game on a 4K monitor, and I realized that some things were not scaling properly in the UI, and they were kind of tiny. <laughs> but luckily, they didn't see that as a bug. They just thought it was designed tiny. <laughs> so I got away with that. But, you know, it's all fixed now, so it should be fine on any kind of monitor. No, that is... The, the, there are always those fun bugs of like and like somewhat valid right to like like to our solution they always like to just kind of go in and kind of basically force their monitor kind of correct resolution and stuff but yeah it's always that fun of like i wish people who played games and then reported bugs understood that like hey if you know you're running something super unique point that out somewhere just anywhere like yeah like yeah. maybe it gets to be valid of like oh it's 4k so now it's like you just have some sort of line of code in there to account for that but like 
unless you went into these semi not common things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, there's one thing, something to be said about Steam in that sense. Like the Steam hardware survey is really invaluable because you know it gives you a breakdown of you know what are the most popular you know, aspect ratios, what kind of hardware um, is the most common. So you know, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, you know scaling your UI for portrait <laughs> mode or something like that. Yeah, no, that is, that is very, very invaluable. But yeah, so yeah, as we said, the game we were talking about was Pirates of Gravity. Gravity, gravity. Um, <laughs> if I could only speak, would be great. Uh, I'm I'm curious, kind of, as we get to the tail end of this discussion. Is there anything that you would like to tell people they should know, kind of, if they are interested in checking out the game? Um, I would tell them that I know about the difficulty, <laughs> and I will be addressing it soon. Um, it's it's a little bit brutal right now. Um, I mean, people are still having fun, mind you. I mean, they're saying, you know, it was very difficult. I had fun, but it was very difficult. Um, so I'll, I'll be addressing that as soon as possible. Um, and aside from that, no, I think, you know, it, it takes maybe a little bit of time getting used to the, you know, 2D and 3D mix. But again, if they have any questions, they can always just try to demo and, you know, find out for themselves if it suits them or not. Perfect. So yeah, as we said, game is is Pirates of Grauda. Uh It is available on Steam in early access form for... Uh, in the U.S. for $9.99, it's currently like on sale like right now for that good old launch window. You have a free demo for people who want to go check it out. Um, it looks like you have a Discord server for people who have questions or anything like that. Is it, and I'm assuming that's basically where we should be sending people to go talk about the game? Yeah, by all means. Yeah, If anybody has any questions, they can find me on Discord or they can send me uh, an email um, you know, through the Steam contact information side, uh, section. And uh, I'll do my best to get back to you. Perfect. Well, I want to say thank you again for taking time out of your day to talk to me about the game. And best of luck as you continual, do continuous development on this project. No, thank you for having me. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey. By, sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow the SWW Show on social media at the SWW Show, or sooner or later, you go to patreon.com slash SWW to help us out. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.